This may seem like a, a little strange question, but what did it take to make you believe in Jesus? What did it take? You know, did your faith come primarily from your early training and the faith of your parents? If it did, that's, that's wonderful, and it's a testimony to the faithfulness of your parents. But I trust the day came when you made your faith your own, when you sank the roots of your faith directly into the cross of Christ and personally committed yourself to him. What was it that gave you the confidence to do that? Was it something you observed, something you read, something you experienced? Or was it simply the culmination of many things that the Spirit used to draw you to Christ? Whatever it was, it apparently opened your eyes to the truth and led you to the point of making Jesus your Lord and Savior. And, and that does not surprise me because signs pointing to Christ abound even in this sin-filled world. And you have to be blind to miss them. What does surprise me is how blind so many are. But then again, I guess it shouldn't surprise us. As we noted last week, even the disciples had a very hard time accepting who Jesus was and what he had come to do. But still, I do find it amazing that people can witness the miracles of life and not see the hand of the creator, nor be drawn to him. But then again, again, I do realize that science has explained much that was once thought to be miraculous, but some things still defy naturalistic explanation. And one thing that surely defies science was the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus miraculously fed 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves and two fish. And we know this was not simply a spiritual feeding because 12 baskets of leftovers were collected by the disciples after the meal. Those who were there who ate the loaves and fish knew that this was a miracle. They were so impressed, in fact, that they wanted to make Jesus their king. But the king that they envisioned was not Jesus' plan. So he sent the disciples away by boat and retreated alone into the hills to pray. When the people found him in Capernaum the next day, it became obvious that the reason they were looking for him was not because they had discovered who he was. It was because their bellies had been filled. They were blind to the significance of the miracle. Even when he tried to get them to focus on their spiritual needs and the food which endures to eternal life, food he wanted to give them, they thought only of physical food. They would believe him only if he would do what Moses had done. Moses had fed the Israelites with bread from heaven. Jesus had fed them with plain old bread and fish. If he could do what Moses had done and feed them with bread that actually came out of heaven, then they said they would believe in him. 
They thought they knew what they wanted and what it would take to make them believe in him, but they did not understand the true nature of the bread of heaven. So Jesus tried to explain it to them, and he began by making it clear that the true bread of heaven is not manna. We're in John chapter 6. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus, therefore, said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. They said, therefore, to him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. They totally dismissed the significance of what they had seen and eaten. Give us more, and then we'll believe in you. Give us something even better. Give us manna. Then we'll believe. Now, they weren't totally off base to ask for manna because the rabbis taught that the Messiah would give the people manna. But what is, what was manna? Good question. In fact, when the first people saw it, they asked, what is it? And in Hebrew, the question they ask is, man, huh? So the Israelites just started calling the bread manna. That manna first appeared in response to the grumbling of some three million refugees a month and a half out of Egypt. They had run short of food and were afraid they were going to die of starvation. They were food insecure. They forgot the miracles that had taken place. They overlooked the Shekinah presence of God that was leading them through the wilderness. They forgot the promises of God. All they could think about was their bellies. No, they, they weren't starving but they didn't know where their next meal was coming from, so they wanted to go back to Egypt. To stop them, Moses went to God in prayer, and God said there was no need to worry about food. He would send bread from heaven every day, except on the Sabbath. The people were to go out in the mornings and gather one omer per person per day, and omer was roughly the equivalent of two little strawberry uh, boxes. On Friday, they were to gather twice that amount so they wouldn't have to work on the Sabbath. If they gathered more than the prescribed amount on any other day, it would spoil, and they'd find worms in it. God was trying to teach them to trust him for their daily bread. But again, we ask, what is manna? And again, I say, good question. We really don't know what it was. It's described in the Old Testament as something that came with the dew in the morning. When the dew evaporated, it left behind little flake-like things, fine as frost, white in color, about the size of a coriander seed, whatever that is, and it was sweet, like honey. If it wasn't gathered before the sun grew hot, it melted and spoiled. When gathered early, it could be ground between millstones or crushed in a mortar and then boiled in a pot or baked. It wasn't quite Krispy Kremes falling from the sky. 
but it did taste like wafers with honey or cakes baked with oil. Now, scholars have postulated that manna may have been the sap of desert plants or the excretion of aphids, which is kind of gross, but nothing really explains it. Besides, it disappeared when the Israelites arrived in the promised land, so it's best just to leave it as bread sent from heaven for 40 years. And it was this bread from heaven that the Jews of Jesus' day wanted to see. Moses had fed the Jews of his day with manna. Could Jesus do the same? Well, he responded by saying it wasn't Moses who gave them the bread out of heaven. It was his father. And the bread they were given wasn't the true bread out of heaven. What they were given was only a temporary provision and a symbol of the true bread of God that would be sent someday to his people. That bread, the bread of God, is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. They responded glibly, saying, in effect, okay, then give us that bread. The response was similar to that of the woman at the well. When Jesus told her about living water, she said, give me some, so I won't have to come back here and haul water anymore. Both were thinking on a purely physical level. What Jesus next said shocked them because he declared himself to be the true bread out of heaven. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you've seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In addition to the occasional I am that Jesus used to identify himself with the Father, this is the first of seven I am's that Jesus used to describe himself in John's gospel. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door through which the sheep enter. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Jesus revealed his identity and mission on this occasion by saying, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, that does not mean he came to fill bellies. He did do that on a couple of occasions to show what he could do, especially on a spiritual level. But his desire is to fill our spiritual void, our spiritual hungers. And he's the only one who can do that. 
He's the only one who can satisfy our spiritual hunger and thirst. You know, the world and its trinkets can't do it. Religion and rituals can't do it. Only Jesus can satisfy the longings of our souls, that, that innate desire to be right with our Creator, fulfilling the purposes for which we were created. Only Jesus can do that. The multitude had seen him demonstrate his ability to feed their souls by miraculously feeding their bellies, but they missed the point. They refused to think spiritually. Some people are so caught up in the things of this world that they cannot see the spiritual truth when it's in their face or in their belly. But God will not force us to believe in his son. When Jesus spoke of those the Father gave to him, he wasn't suggesting that God has given only some to him and that God has excluded others from the possibility of faith in Jesus. He's merely stating that those who do come to him do so because God has given them to him. God has entrusted them to him, and he will certainly not cast them out. He came from heaven to do his Father's will. And it's his Father's will that all who are given to him be raised up on the last day. It's his Father's will that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him have eternal life. God wants everyone to believe in his Son, but he forces no one to do so. He has sent his son to be the bread of life, but he forces no one to eat. We must have an appetite for spiritual things. We must hunger and thirst after righteousness. If we're not willing to eat, the bread of heaven is not for us. And we have not been given to the son to raise up on the last day. In other words, the bread of heaven is only for believers. The Jews, therefore, were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. And they were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that any man has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father truly. Truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. The Jews found it hard to believe that Jesus came from heaven when they knew his parents. We know Mary and Joseph, so how can he say he, come, he came from heaven? We know where he came from. Well, actually, they didn't. But Jesus didn't bother trying to explain to them the miracle of the virgin birth. Now, as an aside here, I think the fact that Jesus' contemporaries knew him, knew his family, 
and had seen nothing in his childhood that would make them think he had come from heaven, diffuses the Gnostic Gospels quoted in books like the Da Vinci Code. You know, what we call the Gnostic Gospels were nothing more than the second and third centuries supermarket tabloids. They included stories about Jesus as a boy striking playmates dead and turning them to stone and making clay birds fly away. If he had really done such things as a boy, it would have been common knowledge. And the Jews would not have found his claim to be from heaven so hard to believe, but they simply knew him as the son of Joseph and Mary. Rather than argue with them and insist that they believe he really was someone special, someone sent from God, he simply stated that those who had heard and learned from God would come to him. God had spoken through the prophets, through his word, and through that still, small voice of his spirit. He was now speaking through his son. And those who were open to the voice of God heard what he had to say. Those who responded to the drawing, the wooing of God, believed in Jesus. They were ready to hear what God was telling them. They had been prepared by God to receive the message of salvation. You know, we must never forget that God prepares men's hearts before they believe. He knows who will believe and therefore does what is necessary without violating their free will to get them ready for the good news. The book, Eternity in Their Hearts, makes that perfectly clear. It's the account of numerous mission fields that had been made ready to receive the gospel before any missionaries got there. It's in our library, and I highly recommend it. The bottom line is that Jesus is not disturbed by the refusal of the Jews to believe. He knew some wouldn't believe. Those who hadn't responded to God's drawing, hadn't listened to his voice in the past, would not receive him. He knew only believers would partake of the bread of heaven. And eternal life is given to those who do. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread also which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. Those who ate the manna in the wilderness eventually died. So what they ate was not the true bread of heaven. The true bread of heaven is that which gives eternal life, and that is Jesus. Jesus is the bread of life. He is the living bread that came down out of heaven. 
and anyone who eats the living bread will live forever in the presence of their creator, enjoying all that he has prepared for them. It is Jesus who makes this possible. And he did so by offering his own flesh as the bread given to give life to the world. His flesh became the source of life for us, the bread we must eat to live forever. And next week, we'll explore this eating the flesh of the Son of Man and drinking his blood in detail. For now, let me simply affirm the fact that Jesus is the bread of heaven, the bread of God, the bread of life. And if you want to live forever, you must come to him, believe in him, and surrender yourself to him and to his lordship. You must partake of the bread of heaven. And you must allow him to give you eternal life. That is what he came to do. And if you'll believe it, he came to do it for you. If you believe it, I pray you've acted upon it. If not, I invite you to do so today. I'll be happy to meet with you after the service and share with you how you do that. If you have, I invite you to just stand and sing and celebrate the fact that heaven came down and glory filled your soul. Let's stand.